Cashflow Diary Podcast, Episode 514. Welcome to yet another exciting episode of the Cashflow Diary Podcast, the podcast that teaches you insider tips, tactics, and strategies for creating leverage streams of cash flow into your life. Learn from top performing entrepreneurs, business owners, investors, and thought leaders from across the globe as they share their secrets to success. Like what you learn on this and other Cashflow Diary podcast episodes? Go to learninvestingnow.com and sign up to receive powerful tips and information that will help you succeed as an entrepreneur and investor. Now, here's your host, investor, entrepreneur, business owner, educator, speaker, author, and master facilitator of Robert Kiyosaki's Cashflow Game, Jay Massey. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Diary Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Massey, and I'm glad that you are here today because when it comes down to building your business, there's something that's really fundamental to making it all work. I mean, you probably have already realized that, hey, I'm trying to grow my cash flow. I'm trying to make things happen. And most importantly, I can't do all of this myself. I mean, I've got to have customers. I've got to have a team. There's so many pieces that come together in order to make your vision actually come to fruition. Well, there's a core thing amongst all of that that must happen. That thing is you must get other people to believe you, period. They have got to believe in the mission, in the vision, in the product, in you, in so many different ways, whether it's your customer or whether it's someone working on the team, whether it's a vendor, it doesn't really matter what business you're in. The key to understanding that your business is going to move forward, it's because people believe you or, well, maybe they don't. I know that some of you out there, you're trying to figure out how can I get landlords to work with me as a short-term rental operator? And you're like, man, I don't believe me. And well, I have with me today our guest who's going to be able to help you and I increase that belief, not only for you to believe you, but to get others to believe you. And why do I say that? It's because he wrote a book. Guess what the title is? Why People Don't Believe You. I'm talking, of course, of about Rob Jollis. Now, here's the thing. He's also prolific in sales. He's a prolific speaker. And what does that mean? He's been doing it for decades. Yes, that's with a plural S. That means you and I are going to be able to learn a significant amount of information. So right now, let's get ready to listen. Let's get ready to learn and love Rob Jollis. Rob, how you doing? I am great. Love that intro. Let's get rolling. <laughs> yes, indeed. We will do exactly that. Now, this being your first time here, I have to ask you the same question I tend to ask everybody else the first time that they're here. You ready? Okay. I tend to look at today's entrepreneurs a lot like yesterday's superheroes, you know, Batman, Robin, Wonder Woman, etc. Because I think entrepreneurs and superheroes have a ton of things in common. For example, as an entrepreneur, occasionally, I can envision myself flying around town, using our products and services, saving our customers one sale at a time. But also, like a superhero, an entrepreneur has a beginning. So if you think about Spider-Man, for example, there was a time where he was just a kid, going to school, doing his thing, minding his own business, probably trying to earn some money, taking some photos so he can take Mary J out for the weekend. And then one day, he gets bit by a spider, discovers he's got a superhuman ability, and he gets to choose whether to use it for good or for evil. So my question to you is as follows. 
before you're working with Fortune 500 companies like Toyota, Disney, GE, etc., before your book, before all of the speaking and, 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 and people that you have helped, before being a salesperson at Xerox, before all the things that people know you for today, what we want to know is, who is Rob Jollis? Well, Rob Jollis is a, is a guy that was raised by a Marine uh, who was taught discipline and uh, came stumbling out of the University of Maryland and wound up selling life insurance for the New York Life Insurance Company. And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned that upbringing because as you were going into the superheroes and you're going into entrepreneurs, I think entrepreneurs are superheroes. And when I see a superhero, I see somebody who can take a punch. And that's what an that's what an entrepreneur does. We can take punches. And so, as a New York Life agent at 21 years old, uh, kind of floundering and wondering, who am I? What am What am I doing? I, I I all I knew was I can take a punch. I can take the answer no, no, and dust myself off and keep fighting. And in fact, everything that I've done, I guess, it's in my life, and I've never been asked this question before. I think everything sort of keeps falling into getting knocked down, getting back up, getting knocked down, getting back up, getting knocked down, getting back up, and the discipline to just keep trying, keep evolving, uh, keep keep that glass half full, and don't give up. That's who Rob Jollis is. I get that. I get that. I mean, I think, well, many people can relate to being a punch, but you you speak of the concept of actually taking it. Meaning, yeah, okay, I see your punch, and I'll raise you again. Punch me again, I dare you. I mean, I, I can hear that a little bit in the voice. So take us on this journey. Do you just wake up one day and go, you know what, I want to do life insurance? Or what was the journey? How did we get even that far? I, You know, I went to a career fair at uh, Maryland. And um, I, I was, you know, this was some years ago. And if you wanted to make, I I, I was a business major, communication communications major as well, double major. And all I knew was I want to get out and I want to generate income. And as I walked through that career fair, it seemed like, well, uh, the washout rate's pretty high, but the place I'm going to make the most money is life insurance. And I decided the best life insurance company in terms of their training was New York Life. And uh, two weeks after graduation, I was trained, licensed, and walking around with a briefcase humming the mantra to a week, 10 a month, to a week, 10 a month, <laughs> to a week, 10 a month. And, uh, and I also, I would like to say, cause I was, I started very strongly. Coincidentally, I had 30, 36 first cousins who lived in the state of Maryland. So I had, I had an initial safety net to go to. And then like most of the people who will be listening, who have been in the insurance business or a business like that, once you get through those relatives, those friends, that family, then you begin to learn who you are. And, um, and I climbed from there, and I, I was you know, very fortunate, had a, a successful, uh, very successful sales career with New York Life, uh, became a sales trainer for New York Life, and then just decided I, I, I want to branch out, and then bang, Xerox and, and Entrepreneur and, and the rest of it. Now, okay, I have personally have way more experience selling life insurance and insurance related products than I even care to think about again. But I, so I, I kind of can relate. Sorry, when you were saying two a week, ten a month, I started. I'm like, yeah, okay, here it comes. But I, I've also heard it said that one of the fastest ways to end a conversation is to tell people you sell life insurance. 
Yeah, you know, it's sad, and th- and that's a sad thing. And and I wrote about that in one of my books, a book called Customer Centered Selling, where, um, you know, I really tried to examine what what's doing this. Why are why do people? It's not just life insurance. Why do people take a step back when they hear selling? And the problem is that some of the companies that will remain nameless create what I call our hiring mills. Meaning, we're going to take ten people. We're gonna we're gonna get them selling life insurance. And when nine of them wash out, there'll be orphan uh, policies. They'll bounce to another person. We'll bring 10 more in, and we're going to keep churning this two- to three-month career. And doing that really is a disservice to not just that insurance industry, but to sales as well. I think many of the good companies, I like to think New York Life, I'm going to sing their praises a little bit, many of the good ones don't participate in the hiring mill. But the reason why people do take a step back when they hear life insurance, because it's a product that's sold. We're not talking about property and casualty. We're not talking about cars or homes, which we need. Life insurance we need too, but it has to be sold. And that hiring mill, that constant churning of salespeople, that lack of real training. And I don't know how you were trained, but I learned the live, die, quit story. I learned the hundred man story. And, and I monitor that we were talking about and that was called my training and that was the good training i was i was <laughs> trained well i don't know what the other looked like so um, i think that's probably what creates it but boy there's so many people who do it well you know there's lawyers that are bad lawyers and lawyers that are good lawyers but we need people to help interpret the law there are good salespeople and bad salespeople but Oh my goodness, do we need people to, to help get ourselves out of our own way, to get us out of that 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 prison of just being stuck and lack of urgency and help us make decisions proactively, not reactively. We need great salespeople out there and the ones that are trained well can do just that. You you, you do realize that in this last little section, you have said the word sales so many times that we lost half the people. But that's okay because they needed to hear sales is not a dirty word. And, 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 and this is a challenge that I think a number of entrepreneurs are dealing with because they, they suddenly find themselves, I've got this great idea, this widget, this thing that I want to, the, that the world can benefit from, but now they got to get somebody to buy it. Why do you think it's such a, it, like there's a lot of emotion around it. There's a lot of expectation around it. Just the concept of sales or, ooh, I don't want to be a salesperson. I don't want to sell you anything. You should, you know, the product should sell itself. I mean, yeah. Uh, expound on that, if you will. Help us transition into w- what our mindset should be so that we can eventually get to where we want to be. Sure. And if you want, we can soften it up and call it persuasion and influence. Oh, but that I, didn't I, help. I, that did not help. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, as soft as I can get. But, uh, I know. I, I think what happens is we're 15, 16 years old. We walk onto the used car lot. And, uh, and again, not all, ba- all used car lots are bad. But we're right. exposed to a very um, kind of a lower end of the sales world. Um, and that becomes our imprint that that's, that's, we immediately begin to identify that with selling. But, uh, when we look at really, and how about this, how about rather than that word selling, which as you said, just freak people out, what if we define selling this way, the art of taking an idea, 
implanted it in somebody else's brain and making them feel like they thought of it. Now, are you still scared? Do you still see no applications? <laughs> because if you're a manager, if you work in HR, right. if you're just if you're a parent, a, a, a PTA member, right. I just gave you a definition that would make that should make you lean back in and say, well, if there's a repeatable, predictable process for that, and we can work away from this cliche that we're sort of stuck in, then we all of a sudden we see tremendous skills that will not only help an entrepreneur, but any person, parent, or business. Yeah, and you know what's really funny is that uh, I, I often tell parents that I'm working with, they, they all tell me, I've never sold anything. I'm like, do you have, you have kids, right? And they're like, yeah. Have they ever gone to bed on time? Yeah. Then you sold a lot, because uh, that's what it takes in order to get your child just to go to sleep. And it's often skill sets that we don't realize that we have. Now, Rob, as you've been out there in the marketplace, there's this fundamental challenge. Like, uh, I'll speak for our customers specifically. We work in the real estate world, and we often work with landlords leasing their property. And one of the things that some of our newer students have challenges with is getting the landlord to simply agree to the terms. They're like, why? There's this thought process. Why would anyone let me rent their property. Or another way that, that, that it often comes up is why would anyone get, uh, work with me in terms of allowing me to use their money to go make more money when they're raising capital? There's a concept out there that somehow when when we get started that working with me, so they're not going to do it because and they don't even have an answer for it. What are your thoughts? Well, now now we're drifting to that belief part. And yep. you know what I loved when you started? You said something that was really important to me. You said, you know, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rephrase it, but basically sure. before, we can, we, before we can get others to believe us, we have to believe us. And, um, you know, as simple as this sounds, the easiest way to be believed is to tell the truth. So – if you don't believe in your product, if you're if you think I, I'm selling a product that's really going to steal money from people, that's that's going to harm people. Uh, well, then, Houston, we have a problem. Uh, we've got the wrong product or we've got the wrong trainer, but something's wrong. But if you look inside your, yourself and you say, you know what, I, I, I've, I'm looking at this this uh, this honest tea that I'm drinking right now while I'm speaking to you. And this honest organic peach tea is really a it's so much better than so many other products on the market. If you honestly believe that, then it's so much easier to get other people to believe it. But to answer your question quickly, I think it's a lack of belief in ourselves. And and okay. So where do you think that comes from? I mean, because you've written a book here, why people don't believe you. That the reason this book is necessary is just to highlight the fact that one part of the problem is that people don't believe you and you may not even be aware of it. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I think one of the one of the dangers and, and right now we're just into ourselves. We'll, we'll, we'll aim this arrow at our customer or at somebody else in a moment. But I think one of the things is that um, we got a lot of negative voices in our head, mm. uh, you know, and and they they seem kind of harmless. Sometimes they just chirp away at you. I travel a lot. Uh, you know, I've got been traveling for thirty years. Uh, 
And sometimes I have to really scold myself because I'm wandering around going, well, have you seen your briefcase? If you had half a brain, you'd know where it is. Uh, <laughs> now, where's the laptop? Oh, good. Look at you. You already turned it off. You know, and, and we think that that's harmless, but it's not. Right. And it accumulates. And all of a sudden, we start believing it. It's amazing what happens when I take somebody and just tell them, close their eyes. Think like a method actor. Take yourself to a moment where, and we've all been there, for you as an example, where every interview you had was better than the next. You almost <laughs> didn't have to open your mouth. You were on fire. Everything was clicking. How do you think before the next person called in, your mindset was, where were you mentally? You saw yourself as, this is just gonna keep rolling, this is gonna be great. It's, it's really kind of training yourself, if you're not in a good place, find that place as a method actor, take yourself there, close your eyes, get there, open your eyes, and it's amazing what kind of pitch and pace and power to the voice become, you, know, you begin to get. And, and that's the key to me. It's, it's, we don't have to wait to celebrate. We don't have to wait to be on fire. One, we got to believe ourselves. And two, if we're kind of behind the eight ball a little bit, we just got to find a moment where we weren't and take ourselves there. And, it, and you know, of all people, and I'll, I'll get off my soapbox, but of all people, Carol Burnett said this one time. She said, when the, when the, the body doesn't know when the mind is acting, and, if, and, and I tell you, I heard it, she threw it away sort of like as a throwaway line in an interview on it, and I almost fell out of my chair. I went, ain't that the truth? Uh, so we can actually apply acting skills to get ourselves mentally where we need to be, and the body is on board and ready to go. The hands, the face, the movement, everything begins to pile on, and all of a sudden, we're there. Yeah, 100%. I... I... I often tell uh, some of our, our newer people that they, they come to us and they say, well, I said the word you're supposed to say. I did what I was supposed to do, but they still said no. And I'm like, yeah, it's who you were being in that moment that they were saying no to. You, you, you have to figure out a way to be a completely different person so that you're believable in whatever yeah. those words that come out of your mouth. But I, I'm curious to know what prompted you to write such a book with, with, I mean, I'm loving the title. I'm, I'm just like, okay, this is going to be good. I'm like, okay, yeah. I want to know what prompted him to, to write this book. Like why? Hello there, entrepreneur. This is Jay Massey. I know that if you've ever gone over to the site, cashflowdiary.com, you may have asked yourself, where on earth do you get a domain name from? Especially as you are beginning to build your bigger, better, better business you need a web presence. You need the email address. You need a way for people to contact you electronically so that you can stop doing the at gmail.com game. Well, the good folks over at GoDaddy have definitely supplied us with every domain that we have ever used. So what I want you to do is I want you to go over to trygodaddy.com forward slash cashflow diary. Again, that's trygodaddy.com forward slash cashflow diary because it's a quick way for you to get set up to capture your domain name the exact way that you want it. They got easy search functions. And most importantly for you is that you'll be up and running today. As I said, once you get started, stay started. Don't let small little obstacles of how to get your own domain name going stop you. So again, go to trygodaddy.com forward slash cashflow diary and let's get back to the rest of the story. 
Yeah, great question, I, and I and I love the I love t- telling you about this. I actually, you know, I'm I'm branded as a sales guy, sales guy, sales guy, right? Sales bug, talk to sales team, sales. Guy. Okay, we should so have somebody been, count how many times the word sales appears yeah, in this video. That's right. <laughs> Oops, I'm sorry. We lost half the audience again. Yeah. talking, talking guy. I'm just a talking guy. Yeah, okay. yeah. But but I I started volunteering mm-hmm. at a place that helped people who were in career transition. Uh, okay, and I thought I was walking into about maybe a dozen, 15 people. I walked into a room. They asked me to speak, and uh, there were 250 people in this room. Huh. And six years later, I'm still there on Tuesday nights when I'm not traveling. But all of a sudden, I saw that I was, I was in this Petri dish of people who had the words but lost the tune. Mm. And, and, and it was the tune that was holding them back. So look what we were doing. We were working on their resume. We were working on their LinkedIn site. We were working on their elevator pitch. And they were going and being interviewed. And they're saying, I did everything yeah. you told me. It didn't work. And, and, we, and I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we could teach the tune? I actually contacted my drama teacher from high school and said, <laughs> I, I, you know, I want to meet with you. I want to actually apply acting skills, improv skills. I think what we have to do is like being tone deaf. We have to teach people what it sounds like to to move that voice around and, and as you know, create that inflection. Because some people actually have never really been able to do that. And it holds them back. And the moment I started putting together programs just for that group, first group I ever did, you had to be unemployed a minimum of three years. Most of them were four and five years. Twelve people, ten of them got hired within two months. Why? I didn't touch the words. All I did was free up their mind, teach them how to find the tune, and and basically teach them improv skills so they weren't memorizing elevator pitches anymore. They were in the moment, and they were authentic, and it worked. That's amazing. And I just want to make sure I heard that correctly. Did you say that you to get in, you had to be unemployed for three years? Three years was the requirement because I had 250 people I'm pulling from, and I figured, well, let's take the chronically unemployed because if I, I get some people, they, they, you know, they, they might be in and out within three weeks regardless. I knew if we started at three years, we'd get a good look at what's working and what isn't working. Wow. That, that's a serious challenge right there. And I like the fact that you, you changed it. Okay. So let, let's talk about this. It's a very simple question. You've answered it. Why, why, people, why do people not believe us? Well, I, I, again, I, you know, I actually, you know, it's funny. You, you like the title of the book. That wasn't my title, but authors never get their titles through. I really, true. yeah, <laughs> we get the manuscript in, but it's the outside. And at the end of the day, those publishers typically know what they're doing. But I was nesting for three years with it's not the words, it's the tune. So it's, I think the problem is uh, that, you know, Everyone can lose their tune. Some people have never even heard it. It's it, 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 but but it's it's a matter of actually de-emphasizing the words. You know how you told me I, I used the S word and it scared people off. When <laughs> yes. when I tell when I tell people um, I don't really care about the words, it scares them off. It's the same thing. It's like oh wait a minute, you know it's that's like their security blanket. I learned these words. I I memorized these words. I know these words. And, and so when you pull people off the words and when, and when you teach them that simple concepts like everybody has a limp. In other words, uh, 
everybody has an issue. You know, I, there's only two people who don't have a limp. People who aren't being truthful or people who have absolutely no capacity whatsoever to, be, to have any type of empathy for another human being. So we all have a limp. The key is to identify it, to come to grips with it, and to not let it hold you back because usually you're holding you back. In other words, let's, let's just keep an, a, an employment interview right now. Maybe I stutter. Maybe uh, I happen to be a bald guy. I, I got no hair. I got no hair. I got no hair. I, I'm in the club too. It's all good. <laughs> it was terrible for a while uh, until I realized, okay, as long as this doesn't bother me, it doesn't seem to be bothering a whole lot of other people. Right. So in fact, in, in a sense, and I've never written this down before, but it may have been one of the greatest things that ever happened to me because now I was face to face with my own limp. And, and I realized that I've been holding me back. Um, this just isn't going to be an issue for me. I'm plowing ahead. And you know what? It never seemed to bother another individual. And when it did, it was somebody I clearly did not really want. wasn't my cup of tea anyway. So um, I think we have to come to grips with our limp. And we have to realize that it's okay. And then we also have to realize that um, if that if that tune is foreign to you, um, that it can be learned. And if you've just lost it for a while, well, put on your white glove like Michael Jackson used to do. Get into character and get back up on that stage or back in front of that client. You'll be fine. So, okay, let's, let's talk for a second to the person who's feeling like, uh, I, I've never heard this tune but I feel like I would like to play music. That would be great. Uh, I don't want the, the, the reality that I keep experiencing every Monday through Friday. I would like my life to be different. But, and, and they're asking in their head, but Rob, what does this tune sound like? How, how can I learn to sing this song? Yeah, and that's the cool part. You know, here's the good news. Everybody has their own tune. You know what I mean? So what happens is sometimes we see you know somebody very gregarious and you know powerful and go but i don't i don't have that tune <laughs> and and you know what you'll never have that tune if you try for that tune it's going to be it won't be authentic don't worry about it right. it's actually just working within what we've got you got to kind of trust yourself at the end of the day and so uh, a lot of times there's a piece in there for instance i wrote called you know play the play the course not the opponent meaning uh, that a lot of things are in our control and some things aren't in our control. We seem to obsess and focus sometimes on what's not in our control. And how exactly does that help us? Well, not at all. <laughs> so, you know, I, I coached basketball. I played a lot of basketball. At first, I was always amazed when I heard stories of professional golfers never looking at the scoreboard. And I thought, well, what kind of stupidity is that? Now, they'll look at it with, uh, on the fourth day with two holes to play. And the reason why they're not looking at the scoreboard is how in the world does looking at the opponent who might be shooting lights out, how exactly does that help them play their game better? It actually creates a lack of focus. All we can do is play our game, control our game. And when we do that, when we focus on what we are, when we focus on the fact that I got a limp and so does the other person, when we, I love this quote, by the way, I've got it by my coffee machine, when we realize that Worry is the misuse of your imagination. Yes. Yeah, in that beauty, I love that quote. Yes. I got it. I wish I had written it. But, but so in other words, I'm not going to misuse my imagination. I'm going with my A game. I'm going to be as prepared as I can be. 
I'm going to work on my tune, meaning, and you know, I have exercises in my book that actually stretch the vocal range, but you asked a great question. I still don't want you to be somebody you're not. I just want the guy who I, I saw at the, and had a beer with the other night and was seemed very excited telling me a story. Then he went and talked to his customer and he started talking like this again. I just want to find that other character that I see from time to time when you're not selling, when you're not, you know, conducting business. Seems like you got a good tune then. Let's just grab, let's grab that tune. I agree with you 100%. There's something that you said regarding, you know, us holding our, ourselves back because it fundamentally, I believe that there's a lot of things that uh, humans are. And one of those things is that we, we were born to expose the greatness that gets trapped inside for various reasons of why we allow that to happen. And it usually takes some sort of epiphany or challenge or extreme circumstance to finally for us to throw off that you know what uh, that's it I'm gonna reinvent myself today and it starts today and we finally step into that greatness and become something more than before so my, my question to you is as follows what is it that you think that that gives us the ability to go one day you know what not believing me not believing myself hearing the the wrong tune or no tune or an off key tune to going you know what that's it today i'm in tune and i'm going to be what what makes that demarcation line how do we make that switch what's been the catalyst that that really makes people suddenly go yes that is me yeah well great question um and the fact is i think we can almost loop back to the beginning of our conversation and i'm going to use the s word again okay because one of two things are going to happen right either I, the straw is going to break the camel's back something that's going to something is going to happen that's going to either be humiliating or life-changing in some way because I study decision cycles. I study decision patterns. That's in my other books. And we learn very simply that people don't fix small problems. They fix big ones. That's the instinct. Okay. So to answer your question, when I say one of two things happens, one, something that's been small becomes big, meaning we lose a job. We lose a relationship. We Something big where we go, I'm mad as heck and I'm not going to take it anymore. <laughs> Good or, movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or some well-trained salesperson with our interest at heart, and that's what the definition of a well-trained salesperson is, who's asking us questions we've never asked ourselves before, who's going to spare us the pain of having this problem become so big that, we, we, that it's suffocating us. Somebody compassionately um, has the skills and the questions and the ability to listen and problem solve to keep to spare us from that problem and my friend we call that a well-trained salesperson you know what's interesting is that i think so few people have had an interaction with a well-trained salesperson they might not even know that they that one if they've had an interaction with a well-trained salesperson they actually didn't know they had an interaction with a well-trained salesperson <laughs> and there's been so few of them that it, it's hard to recognize could you shed some light on how we might pick one of them out of the crowd yeah uh well actually uh not that i've ever been through therapy myself that i can remember but in <laughs> fact if you've ever been to a well-trained therapist I got news for you. They're actually following many sales skills when they work with you, meaning 
They have to create trust before they get at the problem. They have to ask questions and ask you many questions they already know the answers to. But that's those open probes, not necessarily hammering away at a problem right off the bat, is exactly how you create trust. And then they not only earn the right to ask you about that problem that you're walking around with, but they do something magical. They go deeper. And they don't paint the picture for you. They give you the brush and the palette and say, you paint it. You tell me what happens then. You tell me what effect it has here. You tell me what the repercussions would be on this side. And in fact, that's what a therapist is. And so to answer your question, because many good salespeople, that's what makes them great. If you've ever had a great manager, I learned so much more from a bad manager because, boy, I knew what was going wrong, what I'd never do. A good one was so subtle, I'm not, I never was aware of the skills he was employing. But a great salesperson will actually create that level of trust, earn the right to go deeper into whatever issue you're carrying around or you wouldn't be meeting with them, and then simply, as a, a subject matter expert, ties their solution to that problem that you've now committed to addressing. It's really a very normal way to communicate. Uh, but like that great manager, it, it was a really good question, the great salespeople are harder to spot because it's a normal conversation. <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny to me is that I realize that as we're having this conversation, there's probably someone out there going, no, it, it's not. It, I, I I don't even understand. But when do I sell something? I have to sell something it, because there's probably somebody who's trying right now to to make it happen, and they're assigning a whole lot uh, of of uh, emotions to the outcome, and they're really invested in making it happen. So I guess my question to you is simply: when you're that new entrepreneur, when you're trying to hire that next person who you think is going to be your superstar, or when you're you're talking to that landlord and hoping for that for that contract that lease that sale you we're very aware in that moment of the impact of what that yes would mean from that of person on the other side how does one put themselves in a position to not become the uh you know pariah that no one wants to talk to during that moment yeah well um i would say one way is to and again Sit down and 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 have a, a, a you know a nice cold drink because I'm going to say this, but but realize that product knowledge is a bit overrated. It really is. It's not. I'm not saying don't be smart, and I'm not saying don't look for people that are smart and know their product. But they're on every corner. There's a lot of smart people around. Most most professions require a license anyway. Uh, truly, you've got to. You're you're looking to work with people who can uh, communicate. Who can, who can, I mean, in 10 years at Xerox, one of the greatest sales training companies in the world, what I learned was uh, that, it, that it, this whole concept of needs-based selling, of saying to somebody, I want to figure out what you need, and then I'm going to sell it to you, is, it's an interesting statement, it's just completely and categorically false. People don't just walk around and just wind up with a need. They don't get hit on the head by a coconut. They are experiencing problems. If there's no problem, you don't have a prospect. Now, most people, in fact, my statistics have been polling for 16 years, I can tell you that 79 to 80% of the population is well aware they have a problem. They just don't want to do anything about it. So doesn't it fall upon us to study the problem? I don't care about the need. 
I'll get to the solution. Right now, I want to figure out what, what brought you in here, and, and I want to go deeper. In 10 years at Xerox, the, the biggest thing I ever learned was if whatever solution I have is a nice to have, I better be the cheapest in town. <laughs> and if it's a need to have, I don't have to worry about price anymore. Okay? So to those people you just described who are listening, going, well, what do I uh, ask questions, listen, lay off the problem early, and when you've earned the right to get at that problem, do not fix it for the client. Let them articulate it deeper. Let them look at it longer. Spend more time there because the bigger the problem, the bigger the need. And the bigger the need, the more urgency that customer is going to feel to fix it. 100%. Now, I, I know that there's a lot of people who are resonating with your energy and hearing that y you have a wealth of knowledge, indeed decades of it, uh, and they probably want to pick up more of this knowledge and even grab a copy of the book. What's going to be the best way for them to track you down and, and find out more about what you have going on? Thank you. Of course, they can go to my website, uh, J-O-L-L-E-S dot com. That's an easy one. But in terms of books, um, I'm at uh, Amazon and, uh, you know, there's, of course, the book, Why People Don't Believe You is the book that just came out. But part of our conversation has been about persuasion. And all those people who don't like the S word, I think you're going to like a sales book, oops, a book I wrote called How to Change Minds, The Art of Influence Without Manipulation. And on that cover are no dollar signs. It's a cat and a mouse and and we when i built it that way on purpose because i wanted to have a conversation with people that shy away from that s word so you can find me at amazon you can come to my website and i just found out yesterday i'm excited about this that mm. the book of why people don't believe you will be uh, is being picked up by fedex federal express so nice. at those fedex offices they're, most of them are open 24 hours and, and boy do i like fedex today uh, <laughs> you, you'll find You'll find um, the book there as well. Um, One hundred. I like that. I love that. Because these are things that you, you you put the good stuff out there and, and well, you, you give yourself a chance, you know, because that that's really what tends to happen. Now, as we wind down, I have a final question for you because I'm, I'm curious to hear your answer. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited to hear your answer. So I'm not afraid of you. Ask that question. <laughs> it's coming. Don't worry. Okay. Here's what I know. I know that someone listening, they, they, they got to a point where they go, you know what? Rob's right. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to make my business happen. And, and, and they're, they're drawing that line in the sand or, or, and they're going, yes, I can make it. It's what I like to call the precipice of decision. Now, when they get to that point and Rob, you've been there, we often have a companion, and that companion comes in the form of a voice. And it's a voice that reminds us of why it didn't work last time. And, oh, my God, you have all of these ideas. You've never sold anything. And you're going to do what? How, what? You're, you're going to have how many people? No, no one's going to work with your company. It's that voice. And for some people, they're related to that voice. So my question to you is as follows. Let's pretend that this time it's going to be different. They're going to follow through, and they're going to follow through within the next 24 to 48 hours. They're going to do exactly what you say. So, what do they do? Well, um, of course, um, I'd love for them to write, you know, go, go get the book or, or drop me an email. But, you know, you just hit on a very great, a great question because, remember, I'm, I'm 30 years plus now as a, as a corporate trainer. I, I mean, I love doing keynotes. They're easy on the body. But I've never been a fan of, boy, if I could get one or two good ideas out, I, I, you know, I'd be thrilled. 
got to remember that I think what the what the good authors try and do, what the good speakers try and do, is not just inspire and motivate and entertain. Xerox taught me one thing, and that is, if I if I'm of any value to anybody, I don't just pontificate. I create repeatable, predictable processes. And there's a rule of thumb that says, you know, when you have a process, you have a way of measuring what you're doing. And when you can measure it, you can fix it. So, A, whether it's my work or anyone's work, make sure that there's actually a definable process there. And then, B, not only control the negative voices, which is what you're mentioning there, but don't be afraid to try and fail. You don't have to put all this together at once. I, I think my success in corporate America has become is because I focus on implementation, not just rocking a room and putting on a show. Meaning, what we do the, the the common word in a corporation is drip. We drip. We drip. Okay. We don't strong arm. We don't try and put everything in place at once. We drip. What if tomorrow that person you just described called tomorrow Open Probe Thursday? All they're going to do is every conversation. Open your questions up. What if on Friday we call that not only discover this problem, okay, but ask two more questions every time you hear a customer say that doesn't work well. That's why I'm calling, okay, and say tell me more. What have you, you know, what's been happening so far? What if we call that? I you call that developing probes. You see what I'm I'm saying? That could be developing probe Friday. If we drip, if we have a process, and uh, you know, you, me, the good ones have processes and we believe in it, then don't be afraid to fail. Drip it, meaning piece by piece, put it together. Use templates if you need to, job aids if you want to, and demand more out of whatever author or person you're working with to say, love your idea, now show me how. And the good ones will do just that. Love it 100%. You have clearly been out there and, and working with actual real humans for quite some time because you understand the process of creating transformations for people. And I, I definitely appreciate that. I appreciate your consistency in the work, the energy with which you approach it. And uh, I thank you for taking the time to share your knowledge, your wisdom, as well as your insight here with us today at the Cashflow Diary. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Truly, you know, it did feel like uh, two guys sitting at Starbucks. And to me, that's the that that that's on you. I appreciate it. I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's time for you to move at the speed of instruction. What does that mean? That means get over to J-O-L-L-E-S dot com. Why? Because what did you hear that you know you need to implement? Well, guess what? You need to go grab the book. You need to go get more information. And most importantly, do what you learn. Because at the end of the day, until you take those action steps, nothing is really going to change. But here's the bit of wisdom that I hope you picked up and you remember. Remember, Carol Burnett simply said, the body doesn't know when the mind is acting. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been fun talking to you guys today. I look forward to talking to you soon. Until next time.